name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. In today's gospel, we hear in the gospel of Luke about Jesus' encounter with a rich young ruler. And it occurs near the end of Jesus' public ministry. And he is starting to leave a town. And a young man runs up to him. Here is this man's last chance to talk face-to-face with Jesus. It's a picture of urgency and earnestness on this young man's part. He says to Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is actually a pretty important question. Um, And appears to be a sincere question on this young man's part. And it's an important question for all of us. Most of the wealthy and religious people who asked Jesus public questions were trying to trick him. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Why do your disciples pluck grain on the Sabbath? And so on. But this man's question was no trick. It was a sincere question that he had. And he wanted to know the answer. How to inherit eternal life. Now the question tells us a few things about this young man. Uh, First of all, he must be feeling somewhat inadequate spiritually somehow, or he probably wouldn't even ask this question of Jesus. Secondly, his question about eternal life clearly indicates he believes in life after death, uh, which was not always the case with those uh, then, or even now. (laughs) He believes, number three, that eternal life is something that one earns or merits based on what he does. And this is something that uh, Christ leads him through uh, to understand what, what is truly the basis. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people today think this way. Uh, you go to heaven if you, if you do good. You, know, you do really good, then you might go to heaven. You go to hell if you do bad things. But, well, maybe only if it's really bad, you know. (laughs) Or maybe if your good deeds outweigh the bad, then you get to go to hell. Well, this is not how it works. (laughs) This is not how it works. The truth is, you must be holy as God is holy to enter the kingdom of God. And I'm afraid none of us measure up to that. Uh, Even this young man did not measure up to that. But fortunately... Our sins have been taken care of by Christ when he died for us on the cross. Uh, We must all come to turn that the fact that none of us, none of us measure up to what is required to enter the kingdom of God. And the, the young man can't understand anything else Jesus will tell him until he grasps that our relative standards of goodness are much, much different. And if you will, very much lower than God's absolute goodness and God's standards of righteousness. And Jesus comes right to the point, knowing this young man needs to abandon some presuppositions that he has about his state before God, before he's able to understand further truth about God. So he proceeds to inquire more of this man's measure of righteousness, how he thinks about righteousness. He says, you know the commandments, do not not commit adultery, Do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Now, all these commandments that Jesus first mentions uh, involves his relationship to other people. 
And Jesus is going to approach him in another manner shortly uh, of commandments that relate to God and what is of first importance. The young man's response, though, with this is immediate. All these things I have kept since I was a boy. And this answer shouldn't surprise us because many of the rabbis, the, the teachers of the law, said, uh, believed the law could be kept. And, uh, and that would earn them something. However, we know from the Sermon on the Mount that God's view of keeping these commandments go far beyond legalistic interpretations of the law. And although a young man felt he had kept all the commandments, he did still have this sense of incompleteness. Again, otherwise he would not have come to Jesus in the first place. So Jesus then speaks to him more on a personal basis. Um, and this is when he says to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Uh, he zero in on what is the most important to this young man. Is it, is it God above all else, or are there other things? And the word lack means to be deficient in something that ought to be present. In 1 Timothy, we read, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, we don't have to be rich to feel the pressure of the love of money or of the love of things. You know, do we feel overly possessive of things that we have? Uh, Jesus didn't tell everyone that he talked to to go sell everything and give it to the poor. But Jesus knew that riches were a problem area for this young ruler in his relationship to God. And he addresses his specific needs. But it's, this is not all he asked the young man to do. He said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Come follow me. This is the ultimate answer. This is what we all must do. Follow Christ above all things. But this call of discipleship was too much for this young ruler. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. So this wasn't just an intellectual question he had. He really was seeking something and he was sad because he saw the cost of, of drawing near to God, what it could mean and which was more important to him. He cannot go with them. He cannot go with Jesus as much as he would love to because he loves one thing more. And he cannot leave that. So he leaves sorrowful. And in a very real sense, he's broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me because his riches were before God. Nor can he obey that which was written in Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Jesus goes on to comment on the rarity of the rich, uh, or for anyone for that matter, but particularly of the rich, uh, the rarity of them being saved. But we all fall, fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus, seeing him sad, said, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the people who heard this said, you know, kind of like good grief, then who can be saved? Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. 
We know if it were not for God, it would be impossible for us to be saved. That's why Christ came to the cross for our sakes. Now, I used to wonder, why in the world did he use this illustration of the possibility of a camel going through the eye of a needle? As Bishop Nicholas recently related to us, the eye of the needle is a gate in the wall of Jerusalem. And during the day, there was a large gate that was open through which a camel and people and riders could easily pass through it. But at night, the larger gate was closed. There was a smaller opening that allowed people to pass through, but not riders. And it was known as the eye of a needle. A camel, however, could not pass through that small opening. Unless they did one thing. The camel could get down on his knees... They could unpack everything that the camel was carrying and lay it aside. And then it could carefully move through the opening without the burden of a rider or the other things that it had been carrying. So it was not an impossible illustration, but one containing great meaning. How the rich cannot go through the narrow way that leads to life till they have put off the burden of sin and cease to love riches have taken them off and set them aside, being willing to leave them behind whenever necessary to enter. Now, this illustration kind of really caught my attention as Bishop Nicholas uh, described this and how it applies not to just the rich, but to all of us. The camel had to kneel, had to be unloaded of all that he was carrying, leave it behind to go into the city. It may not be riches, but we may have other things that we cling to, that we need to be willing to leave behind in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. After all, when our time here ends, we're going to leave all things behind of this earthly world. It's just us that enters. We enter, we enter personally, and that's, that's it. And we can't bring any, as the saying goes, you can't take it with you. Ah, but I do ask. Or state even that is there something that you can take with you? Is there something you can take with you when you pass from this life if you're entering into the kingdom of God? And I was thinking about this, and you leave behind all earthly goods, and yes, only you enter, but what you have in your heart can go with you. You can take the love of God with you as you enter on the day you are called to be with the Lord. You can take your thankfulness with you. That God the Father has provided a way for you to enter what God the Son did. You can take the feelings of love towards those who you are leaving behind on their earthly, earthly side. And take those feelings of love into the kingdom of God and, and petition the Lord uh, whenever you, as you are in the presence of God on their behalf. That's what we ask the saints to do. While we're here... There are things we can do uh, to prepare ourselves. We cannot just give money, but kindness to others. We can help others as we can. We can give some of our time to others. There are a lot of things other than riches that we can give. What we do now and what we have in our hearts and our actions, we can lay up treasures in heaven that is worth more than anything else in this world. So today, we remember... The rich young ruler's question. Christ's response to leave behind what we must and come follow him. 
So that's the question for us. Christ speaks to us all on a personal level to us in our own circumstances in life. Is there something that we possess or desire that we need to let go of as part of following Christ? And when we pass from this life to the next, we can't take anything of this world. But let us spend this life in a way when our time does come, we do take the love of God in our hearts with us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.